2: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify.
1: Hey, gang, public service announcement, our brand new listener show league, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. And it's pretty simple. All you got to do is sign up to our listener league. Check out the show notes, see the link. Check out our Twitter feed, the pinned tweet. It'll take you to the DraftKings NC Show listener league. And each and every week, pick a team, your favorite players. Enter it into the league competitions and you can win all kinds of great prizes all through the season. We're giving away tickets to Broncos Jags at Wembley. We're giving away shirts of your favorite teams. We're giving away all kinds of good merch and plenty more besides each and every week through the season you can play against some of your show faves you'll definitely beat me the Guru Sandrini will be a lot tougher to take on Propo uh, somewhere in between Ben Isis has got a team rolling as well we're not going to get Mike in it but because he hates fantasy what are you going to do so head on over as I say in the show notes the Listener League Uh, if you head on over to Twitter it's the pin tweet there and uh, get involved and have a lot of fun 18 plus only check the website for details be gambleaware.org Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs show, our week two preview. Coming at you, Shane Vereen, all-pro member of the crew and Super Bowl winner too. Of course, that in that order of importance, I'm sure to him, all-pro member of the NC Show crew. One, Super Bowl winner too. The great Shane Vereen in the house and he's going to be looking at a number of key games with me as well as some of the big narratives, the key narratives we're already getting into after the first week of the 2022 season it is always insightful always a lot of fun with Shane so let's get straight down to business Shane Barine, it is early afternoon here in London which means it is the crack of dawn where you're <laughs> already already dressed and ready for business strictly business
0: strictly business I mean when you, when you have a uh... One and a half year old that likes to wake up around <laughs> six thirty in the morning. If I'm lucky, so you get used to it now.
1: Oh, uh, I tell so. you what. The flip side over here, I've got I've got two kids a little bit bigger now. But back when they were at the one and a half, when they're waking up routinely in the middle of the night, it's just the easiest gig in the world being a parent. Who loves American sports in this country? But I'll I'll take the I'll take yeah, Sunday night <laughs> <on some laughs> football and everything. Everything. Yeah. Brownie points in your watching ball. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> all about that's a ball. that's a good gig. I like that. That's it's way better than game. what I got it's going easy. on. How's life treating you, man? How's the summer been? Summer's been good. Summer for me is over. Uh, football season is here. So I've been on the road the last couple of weeks calling college football games, uh, doing NFL radio, doing college radio. I'm leaving tomorrow, uh, to go to the Cal, my, my alma mater versus Notre Dame game. Mm, Uh, be my first time. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's like one of those meccas of football, South Bend, Indiana, and I've never been there. So uh, I'm going to go enjoy that game and do some, uh, do, do a studio show and, and check the game out. So, I mean, football's here. So love that. Love that. Miles, right. You're the hardest working man at showbiz. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, you no, know, today we're coming over next year, by the way, one of our, one of our show partners, uh, Air Lingus college football classic and college football Island. We were out there only a couple of weeks ago for the Northwestern Nebraska game. And we've oh, got awesome. like a five year, um, a five year stand of games coming over. And next year, it's going to be no, Notre Dame. So that is in Dublin. <laughs> Shavering, awesome. you've got that to come over awesome. for that one. That yeah. <laughs> I can imagine where, how that's going to go. No, uh-huh. Notre Dame in Dublin. Right. There is a time we're going to get into today. Uh, we are looking ahead to week two, of course. That is very much the focus of the, the preview show for week two. But there are a few things kind of looking back as we look forward. I want to, I want to lead off with. The first thing is this is the first show we've recorded since Monday Night Football. Since Russell Wilson got an extraordinary response from his old band. So I want to get your perspective on that as a player. We know we know Seattle fans are they're a vociferous bunch, right? We so we figured that that be there'd be a fair amount of noise. But are you are you surprised at what happened? I think some people thought he would get a warm reception initially for everything he'd done for them, and then they revert to type, and you're now you're not with us anymore, so we're gonna make it as difficult as possible. But Seattle fans from, from the get go were in his face. Was that disrespectful? Do you think,
0: you know, it's, it's tough. Um, Part of it might be another part of it might just be, you know, you're no longer a Seahawk anymore, so we're not going to root for you. Yeah. Uh, But clearly he left, um, I don't want to say unfinished business in Seattle, but maybe the way he went about leaving, maybe the way the, the city was, uh, received the news and the transition of him leaving and going to Denver. Mm. Uh, maybe it was different for the fans and the people in the city of, of Seattle than it was for everybody else around. That's, that's what I initially first thought. Um, when I, when I heard all the boos, cause I was expecting some cheers and applause Yeah, and as the game got going, you know, they wouldn't necessarily boo him or cheer for him, but they would just be supporting the Seahawks. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he got bad booed bad right, he out game. Game. Yeah, right out yeah, the gate. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <'Cause> I don't <laughs> know. I, I, I know. I know you love your, your other football as well. Uh, your, your soccer. And, um, yeah. we, uh, we obviously have a longstanding, I think it's, I think it's different in, in, if you look at the two disciplines in, in terms of how players move, like typically in the NFL, Uh, And there are exceptions to this rule, of course, Favre and, and, you know, the the, the Vikings move it as as an obvious one. But rarely do you see that kind of animosity from the fan base of a former team when when a player moves. We see a lot more in in football over here. Although even then that's tempered depending on the situation. You make a great point that it's often the manner of the exit. So let's just say bringing it close to home uh, as a West Ham fan, right? There have been players that have left West Ham over the years that have done it in a way which has not gone down well with the fan base. So mm-hmm. asking for a transfer the day after the club got relegated, <laughs> and stuff, right, stuff like that. Which, right. And it would actually look back at that. It's, I wouldn't criticize the player for that particularly, but it, it's the, the manner and the tone, maybe things that are said after they've left. That often is why a player gets a difficult reception when they come back, or if they go to a club that, uh, it is, doesn't appear to be a, a real step up, right? You know, and right. so why have you made that move? Whereas if you remember Rio, the great Rio, Rio Ferdinand leaving, uh, was nobody, uh, uh, as far as I know, held it against him when he made that move because they understood it for, for all kinds of reasons. But other players yeah. get a bad reception. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl for Seattle. He was there for 10 years.
0: Yeah, I, he gave them his best his best years of football. So right. that's, So that's another reason why I was kind of like, taken aback in a sense like hmm I wonder if this is like their way of showing gamesmanship uh the way of supporting their home team still yeah Yeah. or if they were just trying to shove it in in Russ's face and I I like to I hope it wasn't the latter yeah Um, but I did because typically I mean it would have to be a really bad transition if somebody um not keep holding the team hostage but um wanting to leave and and, Mm. and doing it in a way that's going to mess up the salary cap for the mm-hmm. for the team that they're leaving, mm-hmm. um, so there are certain things that happen uh, when players move from team to team and occasionally you'll get the booze but typically it's especially if a player has spent ten years there mm. you know they're more receptive and accepting and Nice. <laughs> <I guess.
1: laughs> yeah. You know, I want to hear what Seattle fans out there think right at the NC mm. show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok. Although, Hey, might have some, hey. might have some TikTok news Shane Reed soon. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave that right there. Let us know Seattle fans out there. Did, did you, what, did it shock you? They're, they're often in this situation, there's more than meets the eye. The, the mainstream news media is reporting. So Seattle fans, is, have they got it wrong? Is it, it a case of well, he was getting a really great reception when he was warming up and then it was game time and Shane says, okay, well, this is real now and you're, you know, you're a Bronco now, so of course we're going to give you attitude." Let us know what you think. I'm really, really fascinated to see that at the NC show. Let's draw running backs next with you, Shane, because that is something, of course, that you know a thing or two about. It seemed to be uh, a big week one for for running backs and and as we've talked about many times over over the last couple of years it is a position that certainly adapted and and changed even from when you played the game and, and certainly going back uh you know 15 20 years because because the game has changed but there seemed yeah. to be uh, I guess a kind of real resurgence in prominence of running backs in in key offenses in week one Saquon, perhaps most notably was great to see because Of everything he's been through and and just looking not just as productive as he did, but just the manner in which he was picking up the yardage looked like he was back to his very best. DeAndre Swift broke off a a big run, had a big day for for Detroit. Cordell Patterson interests me because he's a guy who, having been a solid pro for a number of years, blows up last season. You think, well, is that lightning in the bottle? And well, maybe not. He seems to be picking up from where he left off. So. Out of all of those three and maybe more, who, which running back were you most impressed with in week one?
0: Um, number one would be Saquon Barkley um, for a multitude of reasons. The, the, meaning he's been in and out of injuries the last two years, has not really been himself. And at the running back position, when you have two down years, nobody's really, or two down years, whether you're healthy or not, And then let's say two down years with injuries. um, Nobody at that position, nobody's really expecting you to come back and ever be your former self or, or have the production that you once had Mm -hmm. just the nature of the position. So for him and he's heard all the talk and all the doubt and, and all that for the last two seasons now. And so it's just nice to see him be able to overcome that, be overcome the injuries, overcome all the talk and still be himself. He looked Mm -hmm. like himself. He even looked a little bit better than the his rookie year when he blew up in the beginning of his second year where he was playing well before the injury, I thought he looked stronger. I thought he looked faster. He I, I can tell he's understands the game better mm. um, as far as as far as positioning, as far as how we're running each play, as far as understanding um, when to bounce it outside like the uh, when they went for two. And there was a shovel pass inside that play is supposed to go inside the inside the tight end. Well, the tight end, the tight end kind of got pushed back and then there was two defenders on the outside. So he's able to now see that. And if he was to try and go inside, he would have just ran into a pile of people, probably not made it because the offensive line got pushed back like a couple of yards. So he takes it upon himself. Dips inside, bounces it out, outruns the two defenders and then gets his pads down and takes on two more defenders to get into. Mm. I mean, that was it, that was about an impressive performance in week one um, that I've seen. Another, that is great detail because you, that is yeah. you, you suggested that like combining the the
1: street smarts and the uh, and the mental agility. But having the the physical variability and, and and the raw talent to pull it off as well. I mean, that's yeah. a, a brilliant insight on that. I hadn't I hadn't clocked that. So yeah. that's interesting. I, as you were talking about everything he's been through and. And where he's at now. I, I I've got to ask you on, on the Gino Smith. They wrote me off. I wrote back there. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, maybe the greatest line of all time
0: in a post post-game post interview. Huh? I love it. Yeah, that was that was that was hilarious. Uh that was great. I mean, Gino's given us uh, Jameis Winston has given us some great uh some great press clippings of of him explaining everything. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Did you see the, where he was talking about the elbows and the knees and the shoulders and the hips? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thigh bones
0: connected to the
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. amazing. It, yeah, so already that feels like a. It feels like the season of. It could be like a comeback special season, right? You've got Saquon James for different reasons. If, if you can keep it going, and of course. As, as we know, there's one week in the tank, so uh, let's uh, let's call. Although that was interesting, I was looking at, um, I think it was the Athletic, uh, were well, a little bit earlier before we started, uh, before we started recording the show, and there's so much about. Patrick Mahomes is front runner for MVP. And just just already we're talking about the impact that that, that's an MVP after week one. I love it. Um, But nevertheless, I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly that now by, by following this through (laughs) and saying, it does feel that there are a lot of players that are primed for a comeback. Michael Thomas, of course, had a massive, massive day. And so you've got Gino, you've got Saquon, Michael Thomas, Uh, Jameis
0: potentially as well. It could be very much a comeback year. So outside of Saquon anyway, who else running back wise impressed you? Um, I guess the next two guys that impressed me the most would be um, Jonathan Taylor. And I know that they lost, um, but he put up some very impressive numbers and uh, Nick Chubb, Mm. uh, you know, at the running back position, I'll say it again, you know, at, at some point, Everybody, coaches, players, fans, like you're you're expecting a drop-off at some point. So for these guys, I mean, Jonathan Taylor obviously had a massive year last year and he came back and started right where he left off. Nick Chubb, the same thing, but Nick Chubb has been doing it for so many years now. I think this is his fifth, fifth or sixth year in the league, mm-hmm. and he's been so consistent running the football. Um, it's and and it's like everybody knows he's getting the ball and he's still able to turn out yards and and he had a pretty big game. Um, so th- that's, but that's what's impressive to me, that you've, that you've done it. You've proven that you can do it. Everybody knows you can do it. And yet defenses are preparing for you. And yet you're still turning out 22 attempts, 140 yards in week one. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so th- th- those are the things that, that are kind of impressive to me. Um, for instance, when offenses are trying to run the ball, when everybody knows that they're running the ball for four minute drill into games, running the clock out, and they're still able to successfully run the football. Mm-hmm. That that tells me a lot about that team, that offensive line, that running back, the mentality of that offense. Mm. Um, and so I like, to, so when I see it, you know, from the running back perspective, obviously I have a little bit more uh, appreciation for the work. You got skin in the game there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting point you make though about, um, Age. And, and I guess that connects with the the narrative we mentioned a moment ago and one that you and I, as I said, have got into a lot over, over the last couple of years. But if you look I'm um, bringing us back to uh, fantasy for a minute, FFS, our brand new fantasy show, the guru Sandrini on, on that show. And shout out to, to DraftKings, our partners that on that show. they uh, uh, James, rather, Sandrini was talking about the incredible drop off in fantasy production. The moment a running back hits 28, that 28 is the year. that So yeah. that equates realistically to, to overall production as well. Is that going to change now? Are we going to see running backs because they're not being absolutely battered? The bell cow back is, is is effectively a thing of the past. Are we going to be able to see players like Chubb rolling into the early 30s and staying that at that
0: level? I hope so. I hope so. I, I think that would be great for the position. It'll help these guys. Um, get bigger second and third contracts. Yeah, right. Um, you know, for what they deserve, for what they put their body through, for for how much of the offense they're responsible for. Um, so I do think that we are going to see players last longer in the running back position just because of the rotations that most teams are using now. There still are some teams uh, like the Steelers. Um, they're they're one that that jumps out to me as a team that still uses the bell cow mm-hmm. um, primarily one back, but there's might be a couple other that, that just Carolina doesn't really, well, they rotate, they rotated actually last week because mm. McCaffrey played, but he didn't get as many touches as I thought he would. Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder if that
1: that's a great example of whether that yeah. will maintain
0: or not. think um, yeah, It's going to be interesting to see that.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get on to the Steelers. One of our first games we want to preview is Pat, Pat Steelers, your, your former team, of course, a difficult start for them. Let's start with, with New England and uh, what on earth you're making of that situation. So interesting stat, the propo has put together ahead of this game. Mac Jones is now two and nine when his defense allows over 14 points. So two and nine when there's 14 points or more, how much of a concern is that?
0: Do you think for the Pats offense? Um, I think that's, I think that's a big concern. Um, I think that's a big concern because it tells me that the offense isn't scoring enough points enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to, I mean, it's cool to go out and score 45 points, you know, every, once a month. Um, but that means that maybe the other games you're not even getting to 20, 22, 25 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that drop off, that's tough. That's tough to play with because at the same as, as, as an offensive player, if, every now and then every two months we, we go crazy and score like 45 points. And then every other time we're struggling just to get a couple first downs. Mm. That's, that's very tough to, to keep continuity. It's very tough. It's just not consistent. Mm. And so as a player, you're always in the back of your head thinking, is this going to be one of those games or is this going to mm-hmm. be a game where we're struggling uh, just to move the ball up and down the field? And if you, if there's some games where it's just so much better and, or so much worse, that's concerning and the performance that the Pats put on the field last Sunday in Miami was concerning to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily the fact that they lost, but just the way that the operation offensively looked, there was a lot of free runners to the quarterback, um, which means that the communication between the quarterback, offensive line and running back, isn't where it needs to be. Um, There weren't as many, as much explosive plays from the offensive side of the ball. Um, Like, I just don't know what good takeaways um, New England is feeling right now from week one. And there might not be many, there might not yeah. be even one, yeah. um, but typically we'd like to see something good to take away. And it just looked, everything just looked disorganized in a sense.
1: Well, this is um, perhaps unsurprising. We've, we've got into it a fair bit on the show, but given your association with the organization and your familiarity with the number of the key protagonists and the key people we're talking about, what do you, what is your, perspective, your theory, or maybe, you know, more than, maybe it's more than just a theory about what Belichick is up to here with the offensive coordinator situation that what, I mean, you know, obviously Belichick, Patricia too, was, was there when you were there. Right. So yeah, you, yep. you know, these guys, but Patricia is a, is a defensive guy. So what, what's happening? Why is Belichick
0: entrusting the offense to him? Um Because uh, his knowledge of the game, um you know, I am not, I think, I think where the where the issue can come up is coach Patricia uh coach Joe Judge they've been around a lot of football and they've seen a lot of football coach Patricia uh primarily on the defensive side of the ball so how that can help is that he understands um the weak spots of certain defenses he understands because he's been a defensive coach he understands where he, where you can attack and and have success offensively mm-hmm. uh, where the single coverage is going to be where um, where you might be able to get an edge and, and hit a run play to the right um, being able to take advantage of, of poorly timed blitzes, but there's an art to calling an offense. There's, it takes years and years, in my opinion, to be a good play caller. You can't mm. just have somebody call plays, even if they've called defensive plays before. It's a completely different animal when you're trying to call offensive plays, especially when the offense is struggling. If the offense is rolling, then it doesn't matter what play you call anyway. You're just going to execute it. Yeah, but when it's struggling, yeah, it, just, it triples that. Yeah.
1: Is Is that a lot to do with rhythm as well? That you, mm-hmm. I hear a lot of coordinators and indeed offensive players talk about the difference between, um, I think this was, I think Ollie Connolly, uh, a friend of the show, Ollie Connolly, brilliant exes and O's guy, editor of Gridiron, who uh, was was making this point in one of his recent columns about the, the distinction between a, a great offensive mind that can draw up uh, a, a brilliant play or, or or a number of brilliant plays, but they don't necessarily operate as a sequence because you're feeling stuff out all the time and you're and yep. you're applying a, a sequence of different things in the context of what has just happened before. Uh, is that what you're you're getting at, that a
0: great or yes. a successful coordinator has a real feel for that? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm getting to. Um, rhythm, I think, is so important. It was very important for me as a player on the yeah. offensive side of the ball, feeling the rhythm of, of you know, of the offense, of the plays that we're calling, of what's working. Um, and then there's different ways to, to get, For instance, if outside zone is working well in a game or inside zone is working well in a game, we'll come back to that play probably at least once a series. But the way we go about doing it, it's going to look completely different. Um, It's going to be out out of a formation that we haven't run yet, but we're just running the same play, but we're getting the defense to communicate. Mm. Um, so much of shifts and motions that offenses use. A lot of the time we're just shifting and motioning just to make sure that the defense has to communicate something. Mm. The linebackers have to talk. The D line has to shift. The, the coverage has to change. And if you can force enough communication or if the defense isn't as fast with their communication um, as the offense and the offense is ready to go, the advantage goes to the offense. Mm. So that's why you're going to, you see teams that, that like to shift. They like to motion. They like to cause communication, cause confusion. And then you snap the ball before the defense is set and you can get big plays that way, or you can get a player not misaligned or, or filling the wrong gap, leaving holes open in the run game. Same with the pass game. You can get a uh, conf- confusion. Are we running two quarters, man, one, um, depending on that. So, you know, I, so I, I got to go back and really watch Um you know, cause Mac Jones, like if you look at the numbers, 21 to 30, that's, that's a solid game for a mm-hmm. quarterback. I, I mean, 70% completion rating 213 yards. That could be better. One touchdown and one interception. Um, but also he was sacked twice and one mm-hmm. of the sacks he, that, that looked like it hurt. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, it's all rhythm. It's, and, and it's calling the right play when you're, when your offense is out of rhythm, mm-hmm. what plays can I call to get us back into that rhythm? You know, and And that's a hard hard gig
1: for a sophomore quarterback to be expected to do that as well. Just in terms of the the Patriots run game. And there's a lot of buzz about Ramondre Stevenson. I -hmm. think a lot of people think he has a high ceiling. Damian Harris, we know what he's capable of. Do you think that that's where they might go and and emphasize the ground game more? Or do you think that was always going to be looking at the personnel Devontae Parker's come in, of course, they've got Jacoby Myers, but it's not exactly a, a, a receiving core that is stacked compared to, to many others. They've got that, those two tight ends that they can leverage a lot as well. Do you, do you think that this is the offense we're going to see a lot more of, a pounding the rock
0: or what, what's your take on how much they should use those two? Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely a run first offense. Um, and, I I like, I love that. I mean, not just not because I was running back. I just think that that is the right offense for the new England Patriots this season, based off Mm. their personnel that they have on offense. Mm. Um, I don't think they were really able to get into it. I mean, I only see they ran the ball 17, 19, 19 times, 20 times in a game and and threw the ball for 30. So only 50 plays on offense. Mm. So if I'm just looking at the stat sheet, it's telling me that either the defense couldn't get off the field, the offense, when they were on the field, they weren't able to move the ball and get many first downs and, and create more plays for themselves. Um, So it's, you know, so that's why I want to go look back at it and see, maybe the defense wasn't getting off the field, which I believe they weren't getting off the field from just from what I saw. Um, But that's another part of the offense. It's okay. The defense is struggling. We need to get a first down to keep the defense on the sideline and we need to start getting more plays in. get, you know, get the ball down the field, start Mm. scoring more points. You know, it all works. It all works together. If the defense can't get off the field, the offense isn't going to have enough time or enough plays, you know, to, to make up uh, the missed points, especially if you're not making big plays. Mm. So it's a, it can be a combination of things. Um, and honestly, I thought Mac Jones stats were going to be worse than what they were. Mm. Uh, Damian Harris only ran the ball nine times. And I know that they want to get him the ball at least 15 to 20 times a game. So it, that's telling me the offense didn't have enough plays. And that goes back to, was it the offense not getting a first down or, you know, is it the defense not getting off the field? Cause it all works together in continuity.
1: You know, it's a difficult start for them. It was a a, a really promising start for the Steelers, who came into the season, I think, without a huge amount of optimism. Many Steelers fans and Steeler Nation, or certainly those those watching on, but I was always, or in the off season, I was quite guarded and quite. Uh, very much in the camp of well mike tom has never had a season under 500 that's the that's the first (laughs) point i think we gotta we gotta nail on and and actually this defense is so strong trubisky is has been written off as a he's not a starter in the nfl but can absolutely in my mind be a competent player in a setup like that you make a great point about personnel and looking at that situation can trubisky be a 27th, 28th ranked quarterback with a good ground game around him and one of the top five defenses in football. Does that, does that make them a playoff team with the coaching they got? 100% next year. So, uh, and we saw that. That's pretty much how the, how the opening week, week played out. However, they lost TJ Watt now, uh, yeah. at least six weeks, that that peck injury. Um, okay. So, how, I mean, it's obviously going to be a, a significant loss. Was there any news on Najee Harris's injury? Oh, let's have a look. Uh, wh- while I look that up, you, t- you tell me what you think the impact is going to be of no T.J. Watt to, to that defense. It's obviously going to
0: be significant, but is it the difference yep. between them being in playoff contention and not? No, no, no. If 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 they were to lose T.J. Watt for the entire season, uh, then I would say that, you know, they're in fear of not making the playoffs. Um, but thankfully, the injury is, you know, um, not severe enough to where he can't come back this year. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, let's hope he is only out six weeks. And if he is only out six weeks, then there's no reason the Steelers still can't make the playoffs. You're going to make some adjustments defensively. The first thing I think they're going to do is okay, next man up and let's see how he does. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure they're probably going to rotate some guys around. So I'm not sure who they're going to go to, to fill that TJ Watt void. And maybe they don't cause there's other ways to create pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of just rushing the four defensive linemen now where that's going to also impact the defense is now we're going to probably end up playing more man coverage defensively mm-hmm. so our DBs are going to be on an island before the great thing about having a good pass rush is you can rush four still get pressure on the quarterback and still have seven guys in coverage mm-hmm. now if you need to start bringing more guys into the pass rush maybe blitzing five or six guys you know that that now the back end you know has to hold up and the rush has to get to the quarterback. Mm. So it puts more emphasis um, really on everything. It stresses the defense in a different, in a different type of way. And can they hold up in man coverage? Can they hold up, um, you know, just bringing four with, or will the quarterback have all day to throw in the pocket? So that's what, so that's the adjustment that that's what the defense is going to be trying to play with these next couple of weeks, trying to figure out exactly how we're going to call defenses and, who, who, how are we going to make up for the loss of TJ Watt? You know, uh, what is um, it's an interesting point you make on the severity
1: of or the, the longevity of his absence because the severity of a, uh, of a pe- Have you ever done anything to your paper Torn a pet? Have you? Pe- have you? Uh, have you? Uh, yeah, how, yeah, how bad was it? Talk us through because it you know, looks when you're watching you, you're thinking, oh my god,
0: yeah, that it doesn't feel great. I did, I did mine actually in the offseason when I was training, I was doing bench press. It wasn't when yeah, you because uh... wasn't
1: when you were playing golf. I was gonna no, <laughs> <laughs> no. hell of a drive. <laughs> it's on <all> my bet.
0: <laughs> so you're yeah, bench so... pressing. Oh man, I was I, I was in the middle of a bench press and I was brought it to the chest and then I was trying to push it back up and then I just heard like a pop. Oh, uh, in, like in my in my peck and it typically yeah. goes. It typically like tears. Um, uh, kind of where your peck meets your shoulder. Mm, and okay. that's why you saw TJ Watt kind of. Uh, putting his hand up on his shoulder, like yeah. in that area. Cause that's typically, cause if you get, especially on the offensive line, you get your arm extended back. If right. you're holding on to yeah. one block yeah. and you're yeah. stressed. And, um, so it, it doesn't feel good and it, 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 it hurts. I mean, I couldn't really use that arm or that, um, or that side of my body for, I th- I would say about three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I started slowly getting back into it. Um, but it just depends on how severe the tear is. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And and there's, there's ways to, depending on the severity of the tear, there's ways to um, to quicken up the process, the healing process. Um, They got a lot of stuff out there now that, that that can help muscles regrow and reattach and, and come back um, even stronger than before. So, We'll see, but it's not, it's not fun. It is. It is not a <laughs> fun. I can't imagine. You, like, your Understood. chest. Yeah. Your chest and shoulders just swell up and it turns all black and blue. Uh, uh, yeah. What's that's what, wor- what's worse, pec or ribs. Would you say injury wise? Ooh. Cause I've never
1: done a, a, a pec ribs. I've done a few times. Oh, yeah. and the bread oh. the-
0: have you have you probably you must have broken a rib before i have yeah, yeah it's actually still sticks out of my stomach um <laughs> that was in college though but um i don't know i guess ribs will probably be more painful but you can play earlier you can mm-hmm. come back and play earlier <laughs> um peck or like a torn muscle takes longer to come back um but it's not as painful. Not as acute. Yeah. I so if I was in season, I would probably prefer the rib, take a couple of weeks off, and then I just manage the pain or just tough it out. Right. You know, for the rest of the season <laughs> until it feels better. Um, <laughs> but the peck, you can't you can't go out and change your arm. You can't start oh, so frustrating. Can do. Yeah. And if you, you know, the chances of you breaking a rib and then coming back and then breaking that same rib again mm. versus Injuring a muscle and then re-tearing that muscle, mm-hmm. the muscle tear is more likely Much to more happen. more likely to happen. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh listen, while you've been uh while you've
1: been talking pecs versus rib <laughs> injuries, uh, <laughs> we should maybe make that a constant thing I'll fire. Every time you're on a fire, a different injury, and you can pick, <laughs> pick which one uh will hurt more. Uh Najee Harris says he's gonna be good uh, to play. We're taping this Wednesday, so he's he's talking up a game that a good game. He's going to play against the Patriots, but uh, we will keep a closer on that. Malik Reed is the next man up uh, from the Broncos just a couple of weeks ago, of course. So he's going to be seeing a lot more action when TJ is off the field. Uh, let's talk Saints-Bucks next. We mentioned Jameis uh, who had a brilliant, brilliant game against the Falcons. It's going to be a very different proposition though against this this Bucks defense. What okay. were your opening week uh, takeaways of Jameson and overall this Saints offense? Because we talked about Michael Thomas, in particular, going into the season, they were very much a team that if X, Y, and Z hits the upside, then they could be legitimate contenders. Well, yeah. it's seemed that that's the case, but a, a, an inferior opposition. So, what are you hoping to see from the Saints? Let's face it, against a team they've had the they've had the bucks card marked over the last couple of years, right? So, this is yeah. an intriguing matchup.
0: It will be. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start with saying week one is just, it's crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, most like 80% of the guys on the field did not play in preseason. Um, so their last real somewhat quote unquote full speed action was last year at the end of their season. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so week one for every team is just, can we get aligned? And can we get our assignments done? Let's just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Let's just get one good game under our belt and something to build off of. It doesn't always go that way. And this is this game is our perfect example. There's no way on God's green earth that the Saints should have been down as big as they were to the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. no disrespect to Atlanta fans out there. But the Saints team is so is a lot better than Atlanta's team is at this, at this current moment. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the NFL and everybody gets paid. Everybody's capable of winning, um, and so what I saw from the Saints is just they just weren't able, they didn't find their footing um, soon enough or at all really in that first half, and then they kind of came back in the second half and and fixed it. And that's kind of what it takes sometimes. Go, let's go back to the locker room at halftime. Let's talk this over. We're way better than this. Everybody felt feels and knows that we're better than this. We're just not executing, and that's and then, all timing. That just just on that. Yeah, sorry, we we you, you asked. This, so it's timing. So, yeah, that is fascinating because it's not
1: obviously there's in preseason, there's a lot of discussion of X's and O's, a lot of discussion of uh, uh, of a strategy of what you're doing. A lot of vets in that team as well. It's not like, it's a brand, you know, a a team that's made up entirely of of rookies. So it does seem surprising that you then have this drop off of of execution, but that is just rush. Is that just right? I mean, as a player, talk us through like what, why is that happening? Why are you just not able to execute what you're, your mind is telling you to do. And that just takes a a few, a few quarters to kind of get in the
0: groove. What, what is it? Um, I I guess the easiest way to say it is that you can't simulate game speed Mm. um, in practice. It's just, you can't, Um, you know, there's practice speed, there's preseason speed, and then there's week one game speed, and you can't simulate game speed. And so that's why I started by saying 80% of the guys didn't even play in preseason, which would help them a little bit, but even that speed that everything just speeds up week one, right. um, and it's going to continue to speed up. And then there's a, then in playoffs, that's another speed, another level. A, yeah. another level. Um, and that's just effort. And it's just every, you know, so offensively when for a running back, Um, You got to you're you need to be in sync with the offensive lineman. If you're not in sync, it's going to be very tough for you to hit the hole at the exact moment that you need to. In the passing Mm -hmm. game, the quarterback's expecting a receiver to be in a certain spot at a certain time, whether that's on his fifth step. Maybe that's on his third step on a short drop. Um, And if the receiver's not there or if the quarterback's a little too early or if the quarterback doesn't have his eyes exactly where he needs to be, because because the timing wasn't there with this receiver. So this play, let me try this receiver this. So, and this receiver's timing is not, you know what I mean? So it's just, it it can get crazy until everybody settles down and everybody is just like, okay, we've done this play. We've ran this play a million times before. Let's just run it like we do in practice and let's get this first, first down, let's get another first down and then let's, just keep rolling let's just get things going and sometimes it's you, just that I simple
1: you were one of those voices in the huddle right <laughs> you just like Pettis yeah come I was. Like, it's just everybody comes yeah. down <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah sometimes you know especially if i was, if i ever saw like the quarterback was looking kind of flustered the offensive line is arguing with each other talking about points and and the receivers are frustrated because they're open but they're just not getting the ball when they're yeah. open it's like you just hey hey everybody it's all good Let's just get one first down. We used to <laughs> say just just get one first down. That's where we start and then we roll. We have to start with one first down. Let's just, just do that. I love this about sports. So
1: whether you're a Super Bowl winner like Shane or looking at my uh, Sunday morning six aside kick about what it's exactly the same right there'll be yeah. you know a couple of goals let in dysfunction is creeping in everybody's arguing with each other and i'm just balanced can we just all calm calm down. Down, stop arguing with <laughs> each other <laughs> let's, gonna gonna a, let's take a deep <laughs> breath everybody's okay <laughs> the big difference if you're doing that with a hundred million people watching you worldwide is <laughs> yeah. sort of four people that won the yeah. past in our sunday game but hey so on brady and the bucks uh, as rather, sorry, Brady with the Bucks against the Saints. Yeah. Because, of course, he hasn't beaten New, New Orleans since he's been in Tampa. Mm-mm. Why is that when, obviously, the Super Bowl winning season, but demonstrably that the Bucks have been in and around the New Orleans games that they played in the regular season, uh, uh, a, a team that is clearly in a groove against many other sides, but then is altogether different against the Saints. What is it about the Saints' defense that this Bucks offense, or these various iterations of of, of Brady and the Bucs offense, have struggled? Why have the Saints'
0: defense had their card marked so readily? That's a that's a very good question. My first, um, hmm, you know, I I think my first answer would be the speed of the Saints' defense is very mm-hmm. tough to handle if your offensive personnel isn't equipped to hand isn't equipped with that much with as much speed mm-hmm. if that makes sense like yeah you look at you look at tampa's offense and you don't think oh they've yeah. got some burners over there it's not and you know, hill right it's yeah of, yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's that's that, that's not the, exactly that's not the offense that they run they don't run a speed uh a speed style they don't really have like a speed guy of course everybody's fast don't get me wrong but I think the speed of the speed of Tampa's defense is faster than the mm. speed of Tampa's offense. They have, mm. they have some speed on, on, on the oh, defensive side of the yeah. ball in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Um The saints, defense is built on speed as well. Most, honestly, most of the AFC South for a long time was their defenses were built on speed. And I would say the AFC North, their defenses were built on downhill, big physical players. Mm. So each con I would say each division kind of has its own little niches. Mm. Um, but I think the speed of, of the saints defense is um, remarkable. And I think that that, that gives teams a lot of tough things to deal with and, um, getting guys blocked up, getting receivers open. Um, And also the saints always play with a chip on their shoulder when they're playing against the bucks, when they're playing against Tom Brady. Mm. And maybe they, I think they probably turn up, turn up the intensity a little bit that week. Um, And for whatever reason, they've been able to get to Tom Brady early and often Tom against, against the saints has never been or looked comfortable um, in the pocket. They've played five times. The one time that, that, Brady beat him was in the playoffs, but those mm-hmm. other four times, obviously they lost. And even in the game where they beat him in the playoffs, Brady was getting hit in the pocket. He was not comfortable in the pocket. So the Saints ability to create disruption in the pocket and just dis- create disruption in the pass game, mm-hmm. um, I think is very tough for uh, Tampa to overcome.
1: Yeah, interesting. And, and yeah, and uh, and readily a, cor- a correction, of course, that regular season is what I was getting at in terms of that record, Brady's yeah. record against uh, against the Saints. Let a net. An intriguing player, uh, of course, instrumental in that Buck Super Bowl winning season and, and earning one of the great nicknames in sports, uh, playoff Lenny, but he's getting it done in the regular season uh, yeah. this time around. In a big week one, what do you hope to see from Fournette? Where is he a, as as a running back in his career now, uh, the early years at Jacksonville, hindered by injury, never quite lived up to it, then won his ring and was instrumental in that, in that postseason? And now here he is, maybe needing to be more of a focal point in this offense than than ever before, right? Because of the mm. uh, because of the, the challenges they've got elsewhere. So what do you see for Fournette this season? Do you see a big, big year?
0: I do. Um, but I also see um the rookie Rashad White. Mm. I like um he's the backup to Leonard Fournette uh for Tampa. He's really good. Uh he he's a very good football player. So I think that this, what do you like about him? Uh his uh, he's a he's a big body, but he has Cause he, I covered him in college. He's, he's right. a West Coast kid, so and I covered. He's at Arizona State, so I've seen him play a lot of football. He can you can put him anywhere on the field and he's successful in the routes, uh, lining up out wide, um, and he can run the entire offensive run run scheme package. He can and he's big and he can run inside and he's got the speed to turn the corner. Um, he's got the speed to break away from one on one coverage with the linebacker, and um, and he's got really good hands, really soft hands, and so he's perfect for that offense. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I, instead of saying Leonard Fournette, I think. Tampa Bay's backfield has a chance to be one of the top, if not the top two or three um, backfields in the league. At when this when it's all said and done, just from a production standpoint. Wow, that's a big call, a big call. Yeah. But and it's really interesting you've seen
1: that uh, seen because uh, that often as well. If you're not at a high profile college. And at this age, at uh, this stage of the season, when it's a rookie coming in who isn't necessarily a, a you know a top top round pick, you're like, okay, I need, I'm not sure can kind of go under the radar a bit, and suddenly they emerge. You're like, where has this guy yeah. been? But you're giving us the inside skinny on that. Let's move on because a lot of games to rattle through, and I want to get your take on a few different things. I want to That's understand good. Shane Breen, Have you ever been given the look that Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a quarterback that looked at you in that way?
0: Oh, Tom has looked at me that way before, yes. Has he, has he yeah, been. unfortunately. It happens. It happens.
1: Um, what is it? Is it like? Is it the same thing <laughs> as when, you know, when you used to get in trouble when you were younger and your parents would say, oh, I'm just... They aren't cross. They didn't shout at you. I'm just disappointed
0: in you. Just disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, It's not not how he used to do you know? Yeah, it's like, I would almost rather you yell at me right now (laughs) than just look at me and say nothing. Because now I'm like, oh, shoot, man, what what am I doing (laughs) out here? Um, No, I get it. And that won't be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers with that face. He's working with a very inexperienced group of receivers. Um, They didn't have either one of their starting tackles. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot that they're trying to work through right now. Offensively, they'll get it. They'll eventually get to it, but not without some growing pains. And I would, I w- I'm positive that Aaron Rodgers came into this season, understanding that there were going to be growing pains, but when you're just flat out dropping passes or on the, in a divisional game, yeah, you know, on the road, those, are those are mistakes you, you can't have on the road. Yeah. Um, you have you have to be able to make the easy plays make the easy catches and they weren't really doing that so i understand where he was coming from from the frustration of the season it's not over he's not going to like slash their tires um but he has. It it's a way of quarterbacks and, and players with experience saying to to their teammates let's go. It's time yeah. to go. Yeah, you know, yeah, grow, yeah.
1: Up. It'll grow, have, up. grow up. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, it's a great way of looking. At it. It's going to have an impact. It will have more of an impact than him just going over and shouting It probably like, Oh God, I know I let him down. I'm just going to do everything I can to, to make amends. Yeah. When that happens to a player, I guess maybe it's different if it is a rookie versus a, a seasoned vet that's, yeah. that's mates with and close with a lot of the, the other vets there. But is there a real mixed reaction in, in the locker room and in in the you know in the uh, the days that immediately follow in that, is he going to get, is Watson going to get a lot of, uh, is there going to be a lot of banter? Is he going to get a lot of this? Oh, or yeah. Did you not mention it at all? Because, you know, I mean, what, how
0: would that play out? Or a combination of it all, I guess. Yeah, well, because he's a rookie, they're going to be harder on him. Mm. Yeah, um, if he was a vet, They, I mean, they would have seen tape of him doing it before. So they know that, okay.
1: It happens to the best of us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Everybody has their bad game, but because he's a rookie, um, you have to let him know how, how big those drops were, um, just how much we need you in a sense. And, you know, kind of put some, put a little motivation, a little fire under his ass to get him going and get him to start playing like a vet quicker. That's, that's, the, that's the trick with rookies. It's like the beginning of the season, they play like rookies. Mm. Towards the middle end of the season, it's like, okay, you've been you've played a lot of football this season. It's time to grow up and start playing, yeah. you know, like a vet. And so earn your stripes. Earn your vet yes. stripes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> Paul and is going to have a tough one week. Uh, what do you make of Justin Fields in, in week one? He had, you know, incredible difficult conditions to deal with, as, of course, Trey Lance did yeah. as yeah. well. But this is Monday night football. Um, lo- he feels like he's a player that is built for prime time though, doesn't he feels? I mean, he feels like he's going to he relish, relish the spotlight. And even with the pretty vanilla offense, he's got around him. He's still making things happen. He's still very watchable.
0: Yeah, no, I was, I was happy for him. I mean, um, nobody's really, <clears throat> nobody's really expecting much from the bears this year. Um, so in that type of environment in that type of game, you know, it was pouring buckets down, um, but they were still able Um, To win the game. I mean, at the the end of the day for the Bears, it's going to it's not really going to come down to the stats Mm. all the time. It's going to be can we just find a way to win? Mm. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to look good. But at the end of the day, do we have more points than the other team? regardless of what the product looks like, let's just find ways to win game. And that's the first step that a team has to take to go from a team that can't win to a team that's now 500 or maybe yeah. two games back from 500. Yeah. And th- you have to take those incremental steps. But number one is, can we just win a game no matter what? Hey, the Bears are definitely not going to win
1: anything but ugly this season. I can guarantee Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, no. Fields <laughs> is uh, prime time. I love, I love watching him. And I think he's, I mean, look, if he's, if he's, you know, thriving is maybe overstating it, but if he is looking as competent as he does with the, in the face of this kind of
0: adversity with what he's got to play with, just wait till he's got some serious weapons around him. Yeah, no. Yeah, he does. And I hope my biggest fear for Justin Fields was that his development would be hindered mm. because of so, because of the coaching changes, because of not having a great, very good offensive line, because of not winning very many games. I thought that that my biggest fear for him this season is that, is that going to, um, prohibit him from uh, transitioning into a solid, a very good quarterback, a solid yeah. quarterback, a better quarterback. Yeah. You um, hear about that, especially for young guys. Yeah, exactly.
1: So many different coordinators early on, really mm-hmm. detrimental confidence density. And that takes us perfectly into Bill's Titans because Josh Allen had the, I guess other than Mahomes in that year, he sat under, uh, uh, under, um, Alex Smith, God, I've forgot. He's only yeah. been out of the league five minutes, and I forgot his name, <laughs> Alex Smith, and Andy Reid. I mean, that's that's almost the perfect, uh, and I guess Rogers to a degree with with Favre, But Josh Allen and the patience and the coaching and the the organization, the, the team developing in 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 sync with him was just a, mm-hmm. a brilliant, brilliant environment for him. To, and and fair play, of course, he's absolutely grasped that opportunity, and grasped that challenge. But it yeah. it makes a huge amount of sense why that patience that they, they have with him, why he's developed so much the bills up against the Titans. I mean, the bills look lights out good against the Rams. We figured as much that they were going to be strong and going to be contenders, but were you surprised at the manner of the victory, just how comfortable they made it
0: look in the second half? Yeah, very much. So <clears throat> if, if, I mean, if this is the bills team that we're going to see all season long, um, Good luck to everybody <laughs> playing against them. <laughs> I mean, they looked almost flawless, my, especially yeah. like I said, coming back to my point about week one and just how discombobulated things can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never stopped. They never really slowed down. Um, uh, So I was my, I was like watching the TV screen, just like in awe, not because, (laughs) not because the Rams weren't playing very well. I don't think they, they definitely didn't play their best game offensively or defensively. A lot of guys out of position on both sides. Um, But the fact that the bills, regardless of the situation, regardless of being on the road, they looked fantastic. Mm. If they could keep that up, this is, they're going to run away with it. I mean, it's the Bills and the Chiefs that those were the yeah. two teams, the two offenses I thought just hands down by far better than everybody else in the league yeah. after week 1. Yeah, really, and it's not even close. Not even close. When you get back to that into what you you were saying, so so
1: fluently about the the difficulties of week 1 and cohesion. Yeah, absolutely. Flaw- I mean, flawless flawless is, is they were almost flawless in 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 that yeah. game. I mean, what is it? Is there, a, is there a weak link? If you could pick one thing right now about this Buffalo setup, where's, where's their weak spot?
0: Is it, um, is it still the ground I, game? Uh, yeah, it is. It is because, I mean, Josh Allen ran the ball 10 times for 56 mm-hmm. yards. Some of those were probably scrambles, not called runs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I would get fearful because I would not want, if I was coaching Josh Allen, I wouldn't want him to run the ball 10 times a game. <clears throat> or ten times ever in a game. <laughs> um, and de- Devin Singletary had eight carries for forty-eight. Zach Moss six carries for fifteen. So that's where that's where they need to get better. And Singletary,
1: um, he the second half of last season, the latter stages, he really started to get to his groove, didn't he? So there is yeah. hope that he is going to take on that mantle of being a lead back and only if not a bell cow, but 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 certainly the
0: the, the de facto number one. Yeah. And then, yeah. And they threw in James Cook there as well. So it seems, yeah, it seems to me that between those three guys, they're trying to find which one of you guys wants to, wants it, Mm -hmm. which one of you guys wants to be the bell call. I still think they're trying to find somebody to create big plays in the backfield. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once they can get that, because that will come back especially later in the season uh, when the weather starts to change and uh, when, when the injuries start to rise, you have to lean, you have to be able to run the football in December. Mm. In in the end of November in January, you have to be able to run the football to be a good team, in my opinion. And so um, that's where that's the only thing I can I can say mm. offensively um, that the Bills probably would, would need to improve upon. But, would you say that about the Chiefs as well? Weighing weighing on that that's effectively their weakest link as well. Absolutely. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, hands down. That's I think it bit them a little bit last year um, towards the end of the season. Uh, not being able to run the ball when they needed to in in obvious run situations. I think that's why the Bengals were able to beat them. Um, And so they're going to have to figure that out as well. And they have the talent to do it. It's just Mm. a matter of it clicking. Um, And a matter of a coach, even when the run isn't going well to stay at it and not just back off the run and and immediately start passing the football.
1: Shane, we're going to wrap things up with, uh, a question from the mailbag at the NC show. We've only got time for one gang, so apologies for that. But look, we're dropping Edge Rush FFS uh, later on this week, so we'll try and sneak in a few questions from you yeah, in there as well for Propo and the uh, the Guru Sandrini. This is from AMA Soccer Coach uh, Mark asks. Ah, oh, it's a goodie as well, Shane. You'll like this. What is the best? And he's uh, put that in context. Uh, by best, he means most insane, craziest week one overreaction. That Shane has heard since the weekend because we love an overreaction on this show because every single podcast and article ever uh, on the Monday after week one is an overreaction special. So we we actually had our underreaction special with and Mike on, on Monday. Yeah. We love an overreaction. What's the <laughs> most ridiculous one where people are just completely going way too far after just <laughs> one week of football?
0: Mm, this, uh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, this one, I like. It, it's probably an overreaction, uh, but I kind of agree with it. You're so, gonna go Cousins for MVP. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I do have a friend who's a big uh, Vikings fan, and he was saying that my barber is a um, is a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I'm going to see him later today. Mm-hmm. And uh, anytime Pittsburgh wins, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. Anytime they lose, he's like fire Mike Tomlin. <laughs> it's, he's, it's it's very very I tough to it. get a solid read, <laughs> but once once the the production that Dallas didn't have on the field on on Sunday night and yeah. that going down, yeah. As much as I want to say that Dallas is just done, like everybody else was saying, yeah. I I don't believe that. I, I really, really? Don't. you think Dallas I, is I still in the mix. I, I the NFC East is gonna be all over the place. I, I I know Philly, Philly had a strong win, mm. but uh, they're gonna get tested more. Yeah, the Giants. We got I, the jury's still out. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington is going to be a solid team. I just don't think they have the personnel to win the division. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Dallas can maybe sneak a couple wins while Dak is out. Yeah, Dak comes back, maybe the team's at five hundred or a game behind five hundred, mm-hmm. and then and then they get back to the Dallas offense and the bet Dallas team that we saw a year ago. So I'm saying. I don't think Dallas is completely out of it. And the fact that everybody, it's Monday morning, I turn my TV on and everybody's, Dallas is done. They're done. The season's over. (laughs) And they're done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that Uh, take. It's really interesting because I I definitely, I fell into, I I don't think I was on your TV on Monday morning saying they're done, but I I was definitely (laughs) saying it to, to, you know, and I think most of us felt that. That's a really interesting point that the East is wide open and, and he's, and he's gone for, well, we're unclear exactly, but it's certainly not going to be, uh, well, they're not picking them on IR. Jerry Jones said, so that's no. it, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah. I wonder, I, fun, wonder I wonder, I yeah. wonder. Uh, Dallas, of course, uh, in action this weekend uh, against Cincinnati. We're going to be previewing a lot of the other games that Shane and I haven't got into on Edge Rush with me and Propo, uh, the Guru Sandrini as well. We'll pick a few uh, to get into there. So there's a lot more coming your way to get you set for week two in the NFL. Shane, the last hour has just flown by, man. It's always a pleasure in your company, always insightful, always entertaining
0: as well. Yeah. Great to catch up with you, man. Uh, great to see you. Great to catch up with you. And uh, hopefully we'll, well, I'll see you a couple more times this season. Oh, so can count yeah. on that. You can count yeah, on that. I got that. you. <laughs> Look
1: after you. So have a good trip to the Barbers. I'm interested to hear whether, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All what, the, All the
0: Steelers are right. going to the Super Bowl. So yeah. I got, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I'll send you a text if you said something good.
1: All right. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> take care, man. See you soon. All right, man. take care. He's right. He's going to be back a lot this season you can count on that one of our faves all pro Shane Vereen and uh I'm sure you'll agree with me I certainly feel like I um enriched and know more than I did an hour ago I hope you feel the same way as well incidentally as I said uh, on the show with Shane we've got a lot more coming your way I hope you're enjoying our brand new fantasy show FFS the Guru Sandrini a lot of you getting involved with our daily fantasy league this week we are giving away a shirt of your choice. There are other competitions as well. Free to enter competitions. Lots of you involved. Uh, we are also rolling out uh, our own team. Uh, and uh, whatever winnings we make over the course of the season, that goes to charity. So a lot of good stuff happening. Over on FFS, if you're playing, it's regular fantasy, not daily fantasy as well. Hey, lots of steers and tips for you. And just good football chat. Edge Rush, me and Propo. <sighs> Not the best week for us. I think it's better to say, not the strongest week one, but we are going to come back swinging. We are going to, we're going to geno it up, uh, is all I'm going to say there. Uh, so we are locked in as well for edge rush. That will be dropping at some point soon. I am Mike. That's in the vault every Monday. I am Mike in the review show. So if you haven't listened to that already. Go get some of that Phoebe Schechter in the house next week. I mean, the, the, the heavyweight all pro guest just keep on coming. So, uh, Keep it with us here on the NT show. Shout out to all of you who are brand new to the show this season and listening to us. I hope you're really enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying the season today.
0: Check in with you all very, very soon. Bye for now.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network